Okay, go ahead, say it. What? Go ahead. I have nothing to say. You're waiting. Waiting for what? What are you going to say about my dress? I think you look beautiful. That's it? Okay, yeah, great. So, Let's get on with the no, show. No, if somebody's skin Kermit the Frog and made a pilgrim dress out of it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> How is Laura Ingalls Wilder? I was waiting. You look adorable. It's summertime, y'all, and I'm back with my pilgrim dresses. So prepare ye for Joey to ride me like a goddamn rodeo horse. You look beautiful. Thank you, my love. And that is actually a great color on you. Okay. That's it. And I like your dangly earrings. Okay. It's Thank just your you. attitude that needs a little work. <laughs> <laughs> I think not. The podcast where Joey reviews all of my outfits. <laughs> I'm Ellen Marsh, and across from me is this old buzzard, Joey Taranto. No, he does make fun of me, but in addition to that, we recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows month to month. We pick a new show, and this month, the month of July, we have chosen a really, really great show called City Confidential. Yeah. Very documentary style. They do a great job with yeah, this show. Yeah, not cheesy. We're not who the bleep did I marry, which we love to. Yeah. Very, very well made, and you know, we're having a good time breaking this one down. Yeah, it has a PBS quality. Yes, it does have. Do you know who David Attenborough is? Did you ever see Planet Earth? Yes. You know, he's like the Texas yellow-bellied sapsucker Mm. is known to be in the Sahara. The honey badger doesn't give a fiddler's fuck. Yeah, yeah. It will rip the head off of a serpent. Remember in my show, I did that whole thing with the snakes and the lizards? Remember that? Yes. So real quickly, he talks about these lizards that give birth down by the water and then they fuck off up the hill and the lizards hatch and they have to go find their families. But to get to their families, they've got to cross a whole plane of lizard eating snakes. Yep. That video is terrifying. It is It terrifying. is our worst nightmare. It really is. Yeah. If you want more of our nature show, <laughs> you can join us. On the Patreon, where every month we give you four bonus episodes. We give you three episodes. Right now, we are covering American Detective with that hottie boom body Joe Kenda. Mm -hmm. And we also give you a true crime adjacent show for which our love, Love After Lockup, is there waiting for you. You can also find ad-free episodes. You can have our close friend circle and lots of other silly stuff. That's right. Anything you want to tell them, Joey? Nothing. I just love I love you too. (laughs) Shall we get to the show? Yeah, let's do it. Season seven, episode four, Violence in the Village. I recall him pointing the gun and then um, he pulled the trigger. We knew that we had a serial killer on our hands. This person is out there and is going to hit again until you catch him. It's a triage situation. You take the most promising tips first and pursue them. And then he did it again. I get an alert tone. Vehicle wanted in a homicide. Occupants are considered armed and dangerous. He just preyed on that area because he looked at his easy pickings. Usually it was always very crowded. After this occurred, it literally looked like a ghost town. There was no reason. There was no robbery, no sexual assault, nothing to be gained, but he just walked up and he wanted to kill a person. 
Well, y'all, it's been a minute, but we are back in the South. The stars at night are big and bright. They be in the heart of Texas. Yeah, and my good friend and proctologist Beyonce is here to tell you just exactly where in Texas we are. Go ahead and tell them, B. Houston, Texas, baby. Now, you may be wondering why I refer to Beyonce as my friend and proctologist, and there's a perfectly logical explanation for that. Can't wait. Because a proctologist deals with the ass. Mm -hmm. And Beyonce has full control of my ass. Because when a Beyonce song comes on, this ass will bounce. I can't help it. But thank you, Dr. Knowles. I appreciate your work. (laughs) (laughs) We are in Texas, and they tell us that Houston is the size of 324,000 football fields. They also tell us that 2.3 million people live there. It's the fourth most populated city. I didn't know that. They also have the Texas Medical Center, which is one of the largest hospitals. And of course, the Johnson Space Center. Houston, we have a problem. But I have my own stats on Houston, which I would like to share because I am a researcher. Oh, please do it. It also has one of the biggest rodeos in the world, of which I have been to several. Okay. Yeah, it has not been my first rodeo for a very long time. Did you wrestle a pig there? Always. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're still hurt. <laughs> the trauma. It is the third most humid city behind Jacksonville and then behind the number one most humid city in the country. Do you know what that is? Is it New Orleans? It is. It sure is. Houston is also home. Home to Patrick Swayze, may he rest, one of my very first crushes, as well as Renee Zellweger, Megan Thee Stallion, and Kenny Rogers. Don't you people dare say I don't teach you things. (laughs) You are welcome. We all learned something. I didn't know Kenny Rogers was from there. There you go. R.I.P. Is he gone? I don't know. Oh, God. We shouldn't start another rumor. Siri, is Kenny Rogers dead? Kenny Rogers was born August 21st, 1938, and died March 20th, 2020. Oh, R.I.P. Kenny Rogers. In the heart of the city, there's a 16-block retail district that at first glance looks like any number of outdoor malls. But what makes Rice Village unique is that it was built long before the others. And like everything else in Houston, it came with a revolutionary plan. Well, we are in a a very specific area of Houston called Rice Village. And just a little background on Rice Village. It was erected in the 1940s at the start of the Cold War. And America was terrified of two things, nuclear war and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, you you may be thinking Marjorie Taylor Greene wasn't alive during that time. Oh, yes, she was. Oh, yes, she was. Because Marjorie Taylor Greene is a vampire and not the sexy kind. Yeah. She she doesn't pick you up, drive you to school, and uh, shimmer in the sunlight. Yeah. She's the kind of vampire that will suck the will to live out of you with her stupidity because she is a special kind of stupid. But enough about that colossal twat waffle. In response to the nuclear threat, Houston erected buildings made of concrete that they felt could withstand an atomic bomb. And then later on, as time went on and the nuclear threat went away, they're like, you know what these buildings would be great Mm -hmm. for? Parking cars. Yeah. A mile. Yep. And there's a lot of talking heads in this episode. Yes. They want to tell us all about this mall. I'm not sure if they own stock in this mall because they're really selling this downtown area. Lois Gibson wants to tell us about the shops. There's novelty shops, cheese shops, shoe shops, clothing shops, baby shops, chocolate shops, jewelry shops, shop shops, lubes shops, sex shops. Uh-huh. Every kind of shop you can imagine. I don't remember her saying there was a sex shop. Mm-mm, I added that part. <laughs> Well, on top of all these shops, there's a parking lot. (laughs) 
So like I said, there's a lot of people. And in this rice village, it's like a community as well, like a community of homes and everything. Now, Aubrey is here. And this man is the president of the Rice Village HOA. Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted to write a TV show all about an HOA. The whole TV show takes place at, like, at an HOA meeting. You've never been a part of an HOA. No. But like they're basically the people who tell you what you can and can't do Sounds to and around like my your worst house. nightmare. Yeah. Do you know what a large group of Karens is called? What? A homeowners association. <laughs> like basically, like Aubrey walks around and tells you, like, if your shrubs are too high. Got it. Or if you hang your laundry on your balcony, he tells you to take it down. Not on his watch. An HOA is the funniest thing ever. People walk around and tell you what you can and can't put in front of your house. My mom's HOA is bananas. And people take it so seriously. You pay HOA dues for people to tell you what to do with the property that you own. You know what I have to say to that? Huh. If you were doing butt stuff on the regular, you wouldn't care if old Meemaw next door put up a weird flag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or turn her front yard into a shopping mall. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did Gladys open up a Claire's on her front yard? You know, I could go over there and say something, but his butt stuff is better. Yeah. So. I'm going to email the HOA. But in the spring of 2004, the shopping district built to withstand nuclear annihilation found it was vulnerable and unable to protect Houstonians from a deadly predator who set his sights on the village and stirred up Texas-sized fear. Well, that brings us to March 3rd, 2004. It's just after 2 p.m. The lunch rush is starting to wind down when patrons hear a very loud boom at a restaurant. And then shortly after, a young woman stumbles into the restaurant and says, help, I've been shot in the parking garage next door. And they call 911 and immediately they rush the victim, 30-year-old Julie Graves, to the hospital. And police go to the scene of the crime and they find the bullet that shot her right by the car. And they ask everyone around some questions and they find the security guard who said, oh, yeah, I saw a man leaving with a woman's purse. And the security guard was like, hey, what are you doing with that purse? And then the guy was like, oh, this is my wife's. And then when the security guard asked more questions, the dude ran away and the security guard ran after him. Honey, listen to me. I don't know what they were paying the security guard, but he was like, nope, not today. Not on my watch. I'm going to get you. Those are not cops. No, they're Those not. Those are not people to they're uphold not armed. any kind of law. And he didn't know anything had happened. He thought he was like running after like a purse snatcher. Yeah. I don't think these people get paid enough they to do really, it, but he really cared. don't. It's like those videos you see on TikTok of like people stealing from Sephora. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. They're like, I don't get paid enough to stop you. Go ahead. Take those lip glosses. It's I'm like, not going after you. It's like when you go to McDonald's and they're like, no, you can only have three ketchups. Is that your personal stash of ketchup? It's Give me more fucking ketchup. <laughs> Stacy. Stacy, does it come out of your paycheck, Stacy? Truly. Because I don't want you to get in trouble. But give me the ketchup. When this was reported that we had an aggravated robbery, a shooting in the middle of the day at Rice Village, I thought this was just very, very unusual. So I thought maybe there's more to this than just a simple robbery attempt. This is the middle of the day, and people, including the cops, were in absolute shock that this happened. And also, if he wanted to rob her, he could have done it without shooting her. So did he know her? Investigators are wondering, like, there's got to be more to this story. But luckily, they're going to get the story because 
Julie is alive. Yeah. She made it. And she said she doesn't know this man. So now we meet a man by the name of Joe Harrelson. (laughs) And he is a Texas Ranger. The way my mind did a triple sow cow in my head because I thought Texas Ranger was a character on TV. No, like Chuck Norris? I had no idea. I Googled it, and it's actually an investigative law enforcement agency. But when you Google it, if you Google Texas Ranger division, they're all wearing massive cowboy hats, like big cowboy hats. And they're also known as Los Diablo Tejanos, which in Spanish, if you know, is um, dudes with big cowboy hats. <laughs> so I guess that's why they wear the cowboy hats. I'm so glad you cleared that up for everyone. No, but upon further investigation, because you know I'm not going to walk away from a giant cowboy hat, they're required to wear those. Wow. That's their uniform. The thing about them is they're like an elite police agency. Got it. They have statewide jurisdiction. And there's only 94 of them. What? It's not a lot. There have been more members of Destiny's Child than there are Texas Rangers. <laughs> Look out for my 12-part series on Texas Rangers, because this shit's fascinating. Well, here's the thing. Julie was shot with what we are told is a full metal jacket, which I had to look that up. Mm-hmm. And it is a bullet that has a soft center and a hard exterior. But the thing about it is it can penetrate soft flesh easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Well, also, my best friend with the big hat, the Texas Ranger, he also says, Anytime that you're shot with a uh, smokeless powder cartridge at close range into your chest, you are lucky. Uh, Not all those wounds are fatal, but many of them are. I was trying to follow what he says because it's confusing to use the word shot in the chest and lucky together. I know. I was like, I, I don't, I, I'm I getting know. cheese fries. I mean, it is, I don't know. It is wild. So she was shot in the arm that went through the left side of her chest and exited out of the right. And thankfully, it didn't hit any vital organs. So Julie is here to tell us about that day. That day started out as any other Wednesday. I was an advertising rep for Houston Press, and a lot of my customers were in Rice Village. I pulled in probably about a 1.45 to the parking garage, and so I opened my door and I stuck my foot out and I turned around to get my invoice, and whenever I turned back around, there was a man standing in my doorway. So Julie pulled into the parking garage around 1.45 p.m. She parks, opened the door, has one foot out, like, you know, when you're just grabbing one thing in the passenger seat, and that's what she was doing. She goes to grab something, Turns around and there's a man out of nowhere just standing in her doorway. And he says, scoot over, scoot over and you won't get hurt. Oh my gosh. And it's it's one of those things like, have you ever had something happen in slow motion where your brain doesn't quite adjust? Yes. What are you saying to me? Absolutely. And then she kind of registers and she moved over to the passenger side and then tried to get out that way, but the door was locked. Yeah. So the man realizes what Julie is trying to do and he points the gun at her. But that didn't stop Julie. Julie is like, I'm getting out of here. She goes for the door again and this time it was unlocked. That's when he shot her. And she said, 
When I tell you it burned, it felt like a hot rod that went through my body. But that did not keep her, honey. She was focused on getting out of there, and she ran out of that parking garage. Yeah, and so, remember, this is in broad daylight. Yeah. And this is, remember all the shops? Do you want me to list the shops again? No. Okay, there's shops everywhere. Like, what the heck? And obviously, he didn't think Julie would survive. She did on, like, a miracle, right? Yeah. So he's gone, not thinking that she, you know, made it out. He didn't chase her or anything, but then it hits the news and it's all over the place. Now, this is like a quiet little area, Rice Village. And of course, the residents tell us that it's like the safest place in Houston. Yeah, of course. Well, and then we actually hear a reporter talking about what happened. Sometimes I really can't stand the news. They sensationalize, they inflame, and they fucking terrorize folks. Just listen to this reporter. You don't usually see this, a crime scene. A bullet, a trail of blood, all of it in the parking garage where so many of you shop. Sir, you are exactly what we don't need in a crisis. You are the reason that the Lord gave us middle fingers. Yeah. Go and fuck yourself. It's just too much. People were so scared. So they heightened security in the area. Now, on the show, when they said heightened security, they cut to a couple of police on bikes. (laughs) Now... Bike police are police, too. It just seems like when they were handing out the assignments, Uh you know, like they're like, Kevin and Harold, you guys get the horses. Like (laughs) the horses in New York, the horse cops, like you're really like in high rank. And then they're like, Carl and Carl, you guys get the squad cars today. And they're like, Philip and Earl, you're on bikes. The only guys lower than the cops on bikes are like the cops on segways. Oh, my God. In like... Key West, Florida. Those things are terrifying. They don't even get, like, invited to the barbecue. They're like, we're cop Segway cops. They're like, yeah, sorry, you can't come. (laughs) Our friend Joe Harrelson, Texas Ranger, is back. And, you know, some of us in the South, I can say this because I'm from the South, some of us are born with marbles in our mouths, but the Lord saw fit to give this man several bowling balls. Mm -hmm. Just, Just listen to this. There were random attacks in Houston every day. But because of the violence of this one, we were very concerned. The Houston Police Department pulled out all the stops trying to identify and arrest him. Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, I give you Holly Hunter. Yeah. He sounds like <laughs> Holly <laughs> Hunter. Meanwhile, Jack Jack doesn't have any powers. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jack Jack, he did have powers. Not until The Incredibles Part Two. I know. <laughs> and so they canvassed the area to find out if anyone saw anything or anyone. No one had. So now they need to go back to Julie, who's thoroughly traumatized, to see if she can remember anything. A lot of times when people are in a traumatic situation where the gun's being pointed at them, all they really remember is the gun. They don't even realize sometimes that they do get a good look at the suspect. She's still recovering, and honestly, she's not much help in terms of the investigation. I mean, she had a gun pointed at her face. They make it very clear that, like, generally, people, when they have a gun pointed to the face, the only thing they see is the gun. Yeah. I'm sure there is some kind of protection that your brain does. Like, I black out about things all the time. Like, I'll go into an audition, and I'm like, did I say anything? I don't remember. I blacked out. Or if I get really upset about something, thank goodness I've never had a gun pointed at me. So she doesn't really feel like she has a lot of, like, relevant information to give them. Well, they bring in a sketch artist, local resident Lois Gibson, who has breasts the size of Okinawa. I was like, this poor woman's back. She is lovely, but I mean, truly, I thought you had large Grand Tetons. Hers are like 
Oh, those Tetons and the wind are sweeping through the tons. And those Grand Tetons, they sure are big. And I want to motorboat them now. Look, those Tetons. <laughs> they are massive. Yeah. And so she sits with Julie to try to come up with a composite sketch. Now, listen, y'all. All jokes aside, Grand Tetons or not, Lois is actually incredible at what she does. I will never understand it. I will never understand the translation of eyes to mouth to hands. She's been doing this for 39 years. She's helped solve 1,266 cases. And also Lois cares a lot about this work because she's a survivor. Mm -hmm. The reason I started in this business is I was a model and a dancer in Los Angeles and a person I didn't know attacked me nearly killed me and that's why i do this work i know what it feels like to be so hurt from crime and then i know what it feels like to see justice and so they describe lois's approach how she gets victims to recall the features of their attacker and i don't know how she does it but let me tell y'all she's good like her composite sketch of that shooter was one of the best i've ever seen it's really immaculate So the picture is released to the media and people start plastering the area with wanted posters. Not only that, Julie is helping solve her own attack. She is walking around with these wanted posters asking to put them up. She is boots to the ground helping out here. I would imagine it's a way of taking the power back, the control back and helping find the asshole who did this. And so... I mean, I would do the same thing. I'd be corralling everyone. I'd be like, we ride at dawn, motherfuckers. Yeah. We're going to string this asshole up by his balls and drag him across town. That's why I shouldn't lead people. (laughs) (laughs) Joey's going to lead the search party. Tell us what to do, Joey. String him up by his toes. Okay. I I think we're going to put someone else in charge. (laughs) Anybody else? Carl? He's like, I can't. I'm on my Segway. Sorry. I don't know that you would be much better. I would. What would you say? I would be like, it's a big, ugly man. Go find him. Anyone you see, lock him up. Ellen, we can't do that. I'm like, oh, can I? And then I have like fuzzy pink handcuffs. I'm like, Ellen, you can't do that and go put Ted Cruz back in his office. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Within 24 hours, all of the press has Houston residents ready to cowboy up. It's as if everyone in this giant city has a tip and police hotlines ring off the hook. So now a ton of tips come in within 24 hours of that sketch being sent out. And Joe W. Harrelson is back to explain how they handled it. You take the most promising tips first and pursue them. Promising tips is also, it happens to be the name of my favorite gay porn. (laughs) I thought it was promising tops. No, it's promising tips. I'm a promising top. (laughs) What? Are you? I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Think about it. I have it. Police work hundreds of leads, but none of them pan out. And there's no activity on Julie's stolen credit cards either. With each passing day, the memory of the shocking gunfire becomes a more distant echo. Rice Village shop owners and customers start believing the shooters skipped town. None of these leads really pan out to anything. Her credit cards haven't been charged. And they're like, did he leave town? Spoiler, he didn't. So 17 days after Julie was shot in the parking garage, there's another shooting at a gas station in Rice Village. And the victim was 65-year-old Helen Orman. And tragically, she didn't survive the shooting. Yeah, and it wasn't a robbery either. It was just 
awful. Now, witnesses saw what happened, but the most important thing that they saw was the getaway car. Witnesses said that he got into a Dodge Durango. No Uh-oh. Oh, God. Listen, the Dodge Durango <laughs> is a sports utility vehicle. Oh, okay. Right? It, is, it is built for reliability. But here's the thing, all right? Uh-huh. Sharon Bagabones doesn't need reliability. I've been driving on a fucked up carburetor for years. I need sex appeal. Okay. I mean, I don't need any more sex appeal, but my car has got to be on par. <laughs> Go on. With my sex appeal, which the Durango doesn't fucking have. No sex appeal to a fucking dad's Durango. You know what does have sex appeal? What? A dot. A dot. A dot. A dot? Did you say a, a dot? I said a dodge dot. What do you got? Waxing ears, blue eyes? No, no. I was just trying to understand what you're saying. Did what, you... ha, ha, what did you understand about what I was saying? I was saying I drive a dot. What What don't you understand? Nothing. I understand you drive a dot. Why are you putting in that freakish accent? I'm not. I have a question for you. You talked about sex appeal. Like, what's your type? Like, what's a sexy cat? to you? I told you. No, a men. Fucking... Huh? In your love interests. Yeah. I like someone who's, uh, you know, not a sort of tall, sort of short. Uh, <laughs> someone between, you know, five foot, six foot. Someone oh. who I uh, can really, someone who's a good kisser. Okay. And someone who likes a good donkeys in the morning after a little roll in the hay. And how has that worked out for you? Great. I'm fucking, my, my dance cat's full. Oh, I'm so happy for you, you any more Shay. questions, Blue Eyes? All I came to tell you was the Durango's not such a great car. Nothing. There's very different dodges. <laughs> well, if anybody is an expert on dodges, it's you. I feel like you're being sarcastic. I would never be sarcastic with you, Sharon. I'm terrified of fuck, you. Yeah, you should be. You know what I'm going to do? What? Throw a dot right into those blue eyes. <laughs> and I don't mean the car. You know I can throw fire. I, I know. What's the name of your, your dart team? Fats Nat Dots. I love it. I love it, Sharon. All right. You're patronizing me. You know what? I'm going to go get a fucking coffee culotte and stick your balls in it. <laughs> She's a dream. She is honestly. I don't know how these people can shut the door on your way out. <laughs> we need better security. The proximity of the two offenses suggested to me that it may be somebody who lived in the area or could have possibly lived someplace else and just preyed on that area because he looked at his easy pickings. And so detectives are thinking, like, why Rice Village? Is he doing this because the area is safe and it's, like, easy pickings? People have their guard down? They, they didn't know. So now police want to see if there's any connection between Helen, this latest victim, and the first victim, Julie. Or if Helen was targeted. Right. And there wasn't. No. It was random and senseless and scary. I mean, Helen lived in Rice Village. She was the mother of two. And she was a grandmother, a teacher, an artist. She was just living her life. And this sketch artist says something really haunting. She says, The Helen Orman shooting let us know that this perpetrator just wanted to kill women. Wow, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, it's scary. It really is. She was vacuuming her car. Yeah. But we learned a really important piece of information. From the shell casings left behind, we learned that both of those attacks were from the same gun. Yeah. So that brings us to March 22nd, 2004. 
It's two days after Helen's death, and police only have one lead. That Dodge Durango that witnesses saw the shooter drive off in. It's very hard for me not to say, Dodge, that Dodge Durango. I can't even do it. Okay, it is so funny that you're doing that horrible impression right now because best friend of the pod, Mike Malad, who's one of our Broadway besties, he's basically like, if they need a funny guy to do any kind of funny characters, they call Mike Milan. But he is a true down bitch, and he does an impression of you doing an impression of Sharon Bagabones. Okay, we have to call him. You have to hear it. Hi, Mike. I, I I hear you've got an impression you want to share with us. I want you to do the impression, your impression of Joey's impression of Sharon Bagabones. <laughs> it's mostly like, uh, good morning there. We got to go down there, Governor. What, what are you so even bad. talking about? You put a so, southern accent. That's so bad. Uh, let me tell you, Duncan Donuts. Yeah, you ain't better than, you ain't better than I me, Mike. Massachusetts. <laughs> you sound like fucking raspberries. <laughs> Full Channing, full Channing. <laughs> okay. And I'm not fucking pay the money. <laughs> so they get a list of every Dodge Durango in the area that is registered. They even have helicopters looking for the car along with the drawing. Then on March 23rd, a Rice Village mother drives a couple miles away to a sporting goods store, thinking she'll be safer if she shops outside the area. She has a copy of the sketch of the killer on her passenger seat, just in case... As she leaves the store, it's as if the sketch has come alive. And she sees a man who looks just like the sketch. Now, this woman is a graduate of DB University. Her degree is in, you can run, but you can't hide. She follows this man back to his vehicle. Yeah. I was like, good for you, but also be careful. Yes, please. And she sees him and she sees the car that he gets into and she doesn't have anything to write the license plate down on except for her son is like coloring with like a Happy Meal. She's like, give me that crayon. (laughs) And she's like, L, five, six, and writes it down with a crayon. And she calls 911 and by the time they show up, he is gone. But here's the thing. Luckily, that store had surveillance Mm -hmm. cameras, and one of them is pointed right at the entrance. Yeah, it's not like 4K surveillance, but it's not grainy as fuck. It's like 3K, and this man is casual. He was like, it is dressed down Friday, I'm in my casual clothes, and he's like sauntering, and it honestly was so creepy because it just supports the fact that like you never know who is around you. Yeah. Because he just looked like just an average guy. He didn't look creepy. Yeah. He wasn't walking weird. You would never give him a second look. Nothing that indicated anything stressful was happening in his life. But guess what he was doing? He was returning ammunition. Yep. The bullets that killed Helen and injured Julie. And he had no receipt. And they were like, "Uh, I'm sorry, you cannot return this without a receipt. I'm going to have to give you a gift card. Yep. Do you know how many gift cards I have in my wallet that like all have like $32 on them and I haven't used them? Do you know that I used that gift card that we got at Obsessed Fest? Uh Uh-huh. I just used it for the first time yesterday. Yeah. That sucker had been sitting in there for forever. You know, businesses bank on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they all expire. No, I don't think they do. I think there's a law that gift cards can't expire. Oh, really? If they have monetary value, they can't expire. That was like a, a law. Oh. Fairly recently. He had to write down on the return receipt 
that he received the gift card for returning the box of 38 caliber ammunition. And he wrote Dennis Bold, uh, which came back to no one that we could find that even existed that was real. Well, they give this man a store credit in the form of a gift card, but he signed his name Dennis Bold. Not a real name. No, that is not a real name. But the police did monitor that gift card, so if he used it, they would be alerted. And they also took that plate number that that down bitch wrote down. Yeah, they did. And turns out it was a plate off a stolen vehicle from a neighboring town called Katy. Now, they didn't put that info into the media because they didn't want him to know they were that close on his tail. Yeah, but that license plate was put into an international database, so any officer in America who ran those plates would be alerted. Listen, I don't know what Officer Texas Ranger says here. I need a translator. We have what we call TCIC, Texas Information Crime Center, and then NCIC, the National Information Crime Center. He was like, P-Y-T, W-A-P, O-B-L-A-D-E, O-B-L-A-D-A. And I was like, what are those letters? What do they stand for? I want to love you. P-Y-T. 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 Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. So the next day, the police get a hit that the shooter is trying to use that gift card at another sporting goods store in Katy. And guess what he's trying to buy? Another box of the same bullets. Are we keeping track of everyone's bullet purchases? I don't know. Is there a Google Doc, mayhaps? Why are you buying and returning bullets? Well, he's trying to cover his tracks. Right. But this dum-dum doesn't realize it doesn't work that way. However, this is scary because the police are thinking, oh, fuck, he's going to shoot someone again. Yeah. It's so scary. So they're like, is he going to attack someone else? Are we just waiting for him to hurt someone again? It's like everyone is basically sitting ducks in this area, right? And so they're trying to think, like, does this man have connections to this town? Then they get a call. An anonymous tipster tells them they need to look at another murder. Just two days before Helen Orman was killed, an 18-year-old girl was brutally murdered in Katy. The suspects are in custody. And one of them looks an awful lot like the sketch of the Rice Village killer. Then the police get an anonymous phone call from someone who says, hey, there was a murder here in Katy two days before Helen Orman's murder. And that was of a high school student named Victoria Fouts. She'd been found in a rural area. She died from a single gunshot to the head. And this was in very close range. And that's the same way that Helen died. Mm-hmm. We find out that she had told her mom and dad she was going to Houston to hang out with some friends. And they found her dead in Katy. And they used her phone. And a friend said she got into the car with some guys at the end of the night. Y'all, I said this last week. You come together. You leave together. And they zero in on two suspects, Mike Martinez and Sean Crump. Now, I'm going to guess because they knew each other. I'm going to guess that either she was forced into that car or that they knew her and that they somehow managed to get her in there under different pretenses. Now, these two men admitted that they were mad at Victoria because they accused her of stealing a friend's camera. And their intention was to terrorize this girl into telling them where that camera was. So they drove her out to the middle of nowhere. And then Sean Crump pulled out a shotgun and murdered Victoria over a fucking camera. Yeah. 
And we see his interrogation, and this man is speaking like he's ordering a salad at a Fresh & Co. It's very nonchalant. He is so eerily casual. It is so upsetting because the way he's speaking, if you're not paying attention to what he's talking about, you forget he's talking about a human yeah. because there is no emotion. He's kind of like really sing-songy with the way he talks. It yeah. just, it seems like he's like, and I'm allergic to garbanzo beans, so make sure the gar- there's no garbanzo. It is so upsetting. It's very off-putting, but... Sadly, that lead dissolves because the murder weapon isn't the same, the vehicle isn't the same, and through conversations with Sean Crump's friends, cops confirmed that Sean wasn't anywhere near Rice Village on the day of the shootings. So once again, investigators are like, what do we have? We have that Dodge Durango. We need to focus on that. We spent hours out looking for the vehicle, even during the weekend and driving everywhere we could think of in there. Still no luck trying to find the Dodge Durango. So about 250 miles away in Kerrville, Texas, there is a officer by the name of Coy Morales, and he accidentally joins the investigation because he says while he was sitting there... While I'm sitting there having supper... I have never used the word supper. Oh. Have you used the word supper? Probably when I was younger and still in the South. Like, Mom, what's for supper? Really? Yeah. The roots of supper is, like, more casual than dinner. But I've never said su- is that That has to be a Southern thing. I would agree with that. I feel like we should call a Southern. Come on, Mom, a, let's go get supper. A Southern listener and be like, do you guys say supper? Yeah, we do. That's just so I was making supper. Something, something inside my head says... Go to work today. It wasn't my day to work, but uh, something just told me to come to work. So that's what I did. Anyway, he had that day off and then he said he just had this like inkling to go to work. Yeah. Well, I've never, what? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I feel like I should be at work. Listen, on my day off, I'm not thinking about my work. Most people on the day off are like, girl, fuck that job. Yeah. They don't deserve my time. I'm going to stay home, eat cookies, and watch the Sex in the City reboot. Yes, I'll be disappointed because the show is so bad and they desperately need Kim Cattrall back, but at least I'm not at work. <laughs> anyway, Officer Coy is like, I'm going to work. And he's patrolling Interstate 10. After four hours, there's nothing going on, so he decides to go home. But Coy is thinking, you know what? I'm just going to check the rest stops one more time along the interstate. And he's like... Also, I'm just going to sit here and run these plates. Why not? I'm just going to run them. And boom, a stolen license plate. And also, that same license plate dings for a homicide. Vehicle wanted in a homicide. Occupants are considered armed and dangerous. Trooper Morales immediately calls for backup. And they get backup. River, do 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 not that kind of backup yelling. Don't suck me into this. That's not right. You're wrong. Think, think, freedom, freedom. It's backup. He called for backup. Yeah, and the gang showed up from Cool and the Gang. Rolling. Nope. Rolling. Nope. You're done. You're done. I took the lead. We slowly walked up to the vehicle, which was approximately 100 foot away. 
since I didn't know if there was anybody in there, I walked up shotgun in hand and flashlight in the other hand. Sure enough, there's an individual in there and he's sleeping. And so they approach the vehicle and they're trying to figure out if there's somebody in there. And Officer Coy shines his light in the car and sure enough, there's someone sleeping. So he bangs on the door with the gun and says, hey, you need to wake up and step out. And the man wakes. He is wide-eyed looking down the barrel of a gun and he's like, I'm going to get out of here. And he goes to turn the car on and drive off. Honey, mm-hmm. Officer Coy said, not today, baby, because he yeeted that man out of the car. Yeah. Grabbed him with another cop and yeeted him out of the car. <laughs> yeah, he was like, not on my watch. No. I had an inkling and I'm sitting running plates and I got backup dancers in the corner. <laughs> Rima, do, 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 do. All right. <laughs> He pulled him out of that car by the scruff of the neck like a puppy. He sure did. And they arrested that man. Not only did they arrest him, in the cup holder on the center console of the car was a 38 caliber pistol, which was the same gun used to shoot Julie and kill Helen. So they bring this man in for questioning, and he definitely looks like his composite sketch. Oh, they do. It's kind of eerie. And this man had no ID on him. He was entirely uncooperative. So they're like, you are dumb motherfucker. We're just going to use your fingerprints. And they use his fingerprints to get an ID on him. And the man is 34-year-old Bo John Maloney. And he has a very long rap sheet. Yeah, this man looks like he shits leather. Like he he is is so terrifying and scary. So they make a lineup. And in the lineup, they make the perps say, scoot over and you won't get hurt so that Julie can see and hear that voice. And when she heard that voice, she said, literally, it sent chills down my spine. I mean, kudos to her because that must have been very difficult for her. You can tell she is suffering from an immense amount of PTSD. Yeah. And I'm sure hearing that voice, you know, there are certain things that really ignite memory, voices, smells, you know, things that you can have a physical and visceral reaction to. And you can tell she really felt it in her bones, you know? Ballistics confirmed that the gun found in Bo's car matches the weapons used in both shootings. So now they have their man. Yeah. And we learn a little bit about him. He had recently moved in with his mother and he was really violent towards her and hurt her. And one time she called the cops on him. And when the cops came to intervene, he head-butted the cop. Head-butted? Yeah. Who does that? And for that, he served a year in jail. And after that year, he had a big old Texas-sized chip on his shoulder. And he came out seeking some sort of sick kind of revenge and just like to lay his anger out on anybody he could see or find. He was so senseless. It was random and it was senseless. And his mother's neighborhood, that was Rice Village. Yep. So now it all made sense. And the cops held a meeting in Rice Village with all of the business owners and said, we got him. We got the guy. He's off the streets. You all are safe. Let's get rid of these wanted posters. And they did. It was a good day. And things in Rice Village slowly but surely began to go back to normal. As the DA readies for trial, he makes a controversial decision. To make sure Maloney doesn't walk, he puts Helen's case on ice and focuses on the attempted murder of Julie Graves. 
Their first plan of attack was to focus on Julie's crime, even though the murder is obviously the bigger crime, not that Julie wasn't hurt in many, many ways. But since the attack, they have the murder weapon and it was the same, they had more evidence in Julie's case. I mean, you know, she survived. She's an eyewitness. And the armed attack, attempted murder, holds the same punishment. So they went ahead and charged him kind of like with the surefire thing, which was Julie's crime. And on July 22nd, 2005, Bo Maloney is found guilty and given life in prison. And today, even though Rice Village has gone back to normal, they still hold space for what happened. And just outside of the area, Helen Orman has a park bench in her memory at a local park. It's very sweet. Yeah. And that fucking piece of moldy cheese appealed his conviction in 2006. Yeah. And it remained. They, you know, rejected it. But I was like, really? You're just wasting All kinds of time, everybody's time and money and resources. Get the fuck out of here. Also, I found out that he had a record in six separate states. Wow. He had a criminal record. And this man was awful. Like, this man really, really needs to get, like, his teeth rearranged. His ex-girlfriend testified and said that he once beat her and locked her to a dog chain outside, like chained her up with like a dog leash outside in the rain. Oh. Like this man was fucking twisted. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. So, I mean, everyone was very happy to get this man off the streets. In Rice Village today, that dark spring when a shooter paralyzed the area is just a distant memory. But the people who lived it still remember shop owners say the violence brought them closer than ever before and they stand texas proud knowing they didn't back down and julie graves says you know what i wouldn't change what happened to me because yes it was terrible but it made me stronger and when i look at the scars on my body it's a reminder that he didn't beat me Mm -hmm. i was not taken down by this yeah and you know If any of you watch the episode, when you see Julie, you can really, like, feel her deep struggles with PTSD. It's very real. And the intensity of PTSD symptoms, obviously, is very singular. Everybody experiences it in different ways. So if you are listening to this and you are struggling with PTSD, please know that there is a national PTSD hotline. And it also provides all kinds of information and resources And that number is 802-296-6300. And I'm so happy she's here. Me too. And she was very graceful and she was very eloquent and she told her story beautifully. But you can feel that pain that will never go away. I mean, I'm so happy she survived, but I'm sure that's the first thing she thinks about in the morning and the last thing she thinks about before she goes to bed. That's just so life altering. And I'm sure some people listening have been through something just as scary. So just know that we love you. We do. And we're sending all of our best wishes to Helen's family because I'm so sorry that such a horrible, disgusting madman. Yeah. Yeah. Say something funny. Well, we found out on this episode one more reason Of the many reasons why you should never be a cop. Why? Well, because all it takes is one incident where a cop says, Ellen, we need backup. And you're like, I got this. I got this. Was the son of a preacher, man. Not that kind of backup. (laughs) Love him. 
forever. Good show. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us on I Think Not. On behalf of Joseph Tarantino and I. Don't know who that is. We love you. And please follow us on socials and give us some love. We love hearing from you. We love connecting with you. Our social handle is I Think Not Pod on all platforms. And we also have a Facebook group. It's called the I Think Not Pod Facebook discussion group. And we're in there all the time joking and laughing with y'all. And you can also follow us on our personal accounts where you can see Joey's cats and my <laughs> reality TV recaps, specifically Love is Blind. I am Ellen Marsh spelled with a Y and it is It's Joey Taranto on Instagram, TikTok, and all the fun things. Don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. That is where we give you tons of bonus episodes. And I am telling you tons because I know some other Patreons out there and they don't give you half as much as the fun stuff we do. It's true. We give you so much. You get four bonus episodes a month, ad-free and all that stuff. So head to patreon.com slash I think not and let us be in your ears for an extra day a week. I love you, dumb bitches. I love y'all too, and I love you, Ellen Marsh. I love you, Joey. Bye. Honey, listen, pride is over. As far as I'm concerned, I go straight back to my homophobic ways. It is shame month, all July. Shame, shame, shame. There's some random attacks in every day, but because of the violence of this one, we were very concerned. The Houston Police Department pulled out all the staff trying to identify and arrest them. The next day, the police get a hit. The police get a hit. I love the place. The Lord saw fit to. Did y'all the place? The Lord saw fit to put some marbles in my mouth to remind me. That's what you get for making fun of Texas Ranger Joe. I know. I wasn't making fun of him. I'm just lightly jabbed. I love the place. You do not come up to me on gay pride. I will call the place. Listen, I'm in no position to make fun of anybody because people be like, Joey, English isn't your first language, is it? It it actually is. Fun, fun, fun. (laughs) T-bird away. Fun, fun, fun. Okay, you're done. (laughs) So, back up a ride. Shut up.